I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is the show where two friends sit in front of microphones and, you know, try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. <sighs> My name's Jordan Ferguson. My name's Caitlin McKinnon. What's wrong, Jordan? What? Listen, okay, listen, I'll get to it. I can't put my own needs ahead of the podcast. If you would like to subscribe to the podcast, you can go to soundcloud.com slash geekdownpod. That's where the show lives. It's just hanging. It's trying to make sense of... Life? <laughs> I was going to say the current climate because we're at that point where it's brisk when I leave. Ooh, but it's hot in the that, afternoon. That 2 a.m., that 2 p.m. sun hits me. Oh, yeah. While I'm standing waiting for a streetcar, a zip up became a bad idea. It's sweaty. So just, you know, layer, y'all. Keep it, keep it adaptable. But if you don't want to go to SoundCloud, we get it. We understand. You can have episodes brought to you if you click subscribe. They'll be brought to you every week by an elf. On an alicorn. On a what? An alicorn. Did you look this up? You it's know the a, official term now? It's an alicorn. He's an alicorn. He's an Philip alicorn. is an alicorn, everyone. Philip is an alicorn. And Philip and Chauncey, Frostilicus III, will be happy to bring that content to you. However you get it. Apple Podcasts, Google Play. And now, apparently, they got over themselves, Spotify. Whoop, whoop. We're on Spotify now, y'all. So if you just want your all-in-one shop, when you're listening to your to your, Rap Caviar, you can bounce out of Rap Caviar and go listen to the podcast all in one app. And your grooves, when you're listening to your grooves. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> I get older every year. <laughs> Kids in your grooves. You can be like the dude across from us right now, just hanging off his balcony, yelling he at is people. Grumpy. He's, he's a real grumps. Even grumpier than Jordan. It does happen. I know you find it hard to believe, listeners, but it does. You're so sad right now. I am sad. Uh, if you want to get even more grumpiness in your life, we're on most socials, primarily Twitter. Get above Twitter. Sometimes it's happy. Sometimes it's happy. Not usually. I'll get to Twitter. I'll get to Twitter in a few minutes. Uh, that's where we are. Facebook, whatever. It's there. Say hi to Kate. Hi. She's she's hanging out at Facebook. Hello. That's, that's, that's basically what Facebook is like. It's just Kate. <laughs> Going, hello. Hello. And then you awkwardly back out of the room because who wants to be there? I'll tell you about the books I'm reading. What's a book? And if you'd like to support this endeavor financially, you can do that. Patreon.com slash geekdownpod or buy us a coffee. KO-FI.com slash geekdownpod. Listeners. so tight. You may have a better audio experience this week because... I uh, took some Patreon dollars and replaced the raggedy, oh man, <laughs> falling apart yeah. on ear cans I was using. It, to it was bad, guys. Record and edit the podcast. Listen, just because it was flaking faux leather everywhere, <laughs> all over I would this leave table. and I'd be like, "What are these tiny <laughs> flecks all over my skin?" And the hinge had broken on one of them. It was barely hanging on you, my ear. You couldn't even you couldn't get a like, signal. I had to like surgically twist it 
<laughs> to get the connection to work. So now I have a pristine pair of Audio Technicas to help me produce the show every week. And hopefully, I don't know if any of y'all could hear it, but it drives me nuts. There's been fluctuating audio in the last few episodes. It's just you. Something, probably. Everyone else just turns it up or turns it down. Like, I'm basically going to get a gimp mask for Caitlin and just strap the mic to, to her <laughs> mouth so, it, so, so I don't turn away so while can, I'm talking. So I get a consistent level for her. Yeah, good times. Uh, why am I sad? Okay. Yes, let's talk about why you're sad. we got to talk this out. You didn't even tell them what number episode it was. It's you were just so distraught. I don't even know. Is it 168? 168. 168. See, you knew there, floating around your conscious. Jocelyn. So, you will recall last week, I had my dilemma. This is technically another installment in... The sound right. of sickness. Last week, we uh, discussed whether or not it was sound planning to buy records I plan to get in Japan, in Toronto, if I could get them at the same price. Just a quick aside, that was a great pun. Sound planning. <laughs> what a cool guy you are! funny anyways continue puns have no home here <laughs> um and everybody pretty much unanimously was like well yeah just do that yeah if you can get it for that price so I, i've been reaching out to some of these sellers because it, it's cratery record exchange season that's that's looming on the horizon yep uh by the way it's always awesome to deal with japanese people as just i mean no one is surprised to hear me say that but like i had dm'd the one guy who was selling circus town and I don't know why I opened the DMs, but that post was gone. Okay. And I was like, buddy. Oh, no. I messaged him. I was like, yo, you still got a copy of that or what? <laughs> the reply was, I'm holding that for someone, but I have another copy for you! Exclamation <laughs> points. Oh, uh, that's funny. Same price, same condition. I'm like, thank you, friendo. <laughs> um, so... And then the sale today at a coffee shop in Kensington, just like on their patio in the front yard. Yeah. Um, was it the Moonbeam? No, it was Ideal oh, okay. on Nassau Street. It's super bouge. Oh, okay. Coffee type place. Not bouge, like snotty. Yeah. Like, you, know, you remember the hipster barista meme? Yeah. Like, he probably works at this shop. Like, Oh, I see. Okay. If you want, a totally if you mustache. Your, if you want your, like, Ethiopian uh, roasted, you know, slow drip, whatever. You know where they just slowly pour, you know, slow pour, what's yeah, that called? Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it's called. They, do, that, they do that shit there. Um, it's not as bad as Antigo over on Queen Street, which does the like actual hot sand, like actually? <laughs> Armenian shit, yeah. Unless it's a uh, someone from Ethiopia or Armenia or wherever doing it, I don't want it. I think the guys at Antigua are Armenian, actually. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay then. Huge beards, I'm just assuming, but... I don't know. Let us know. <laughs> if you ever hear this, Antica, and sponsor the show and give me free records. Um, so I head over there, and they were going to have a copy of Spacey, which is like, you know, there's 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 a top four albums that I want to grab on yep. this trip. Mm -hmm. Spacey and Circus Down are two of them. And I knew it had an OB, and I emailed the guy, and I was like, how much are you looking to part with that for? Oh, I haven't priced everything yet, but, you know, swing through, you know, whatever. All okay, right. I do. All right. And I get there, and I ask the dude, because I'm there for one record. Like, right. that's it. Yeah. Um. And I have it in my head. I have the figure 120 in my head. Right. That's what I'm kind of like prepared to spend. And a tap out at like 150. Right. That's a lot of money. 150 is about as high as I would go. That's a lot of money. For an all-time like Japan record. Still a lot of money. It is a lot of money. I'm, I'm not disputing this fact. Sand. <laughs> not disputing it. So many lunches. 
But and get so much sushi with that. That's what the money is for. Right. That's the thing you do. That's my that's my thing. So I go and first of all, I ask the dude. He doesn't even remember where it is. Right. He directs me over to these other bins where it's just like, oh, crusty crate diggers. <laughs> They're so crusty. And also respect the line, you fucks. Like, don't let's cut in line. I will cut you if you cut in line. If you're listen, if, I'm that white bitch that'll be like, excuse me. Hi there. There's a line. I do that voice. I do the like, where's the manager voice for people who cut in line. I'm sorry. You can continue. I'm just saying. So I'm that dude who's like, if you see something in the bin and you want me to grab it for you, sure. Cool. You want to lean over my shoulder and have a look? Sure. Do not step. If there's a gap between me and the dude in front of me, you ain't stepping in front. You take your ass to the back. Did you tell them that? Um, I don't have to. Okay. Because I take up a lot of space and it's easy for me to (laughs) maneuver it. Right. So it's not in the boxes where the dude sends me to. Right. Um, And then I go over to this other pair of boxes. He's got like sitting on an Adirondack chair. Like he's just got like cardboard boxes filled with records. I don't know how he hooked this up or why they were letting him do this. Very strange. Okay. um, And I find it and I pull it out. So I already knew it had no Obi. Yes. Yeah. We talked about that. And as how shoes right as DJ House shoes rightly pointed out on Instagram recently, you can't listen to an Obi. I get that. I understand yeah, it. Yeah, I understand it. But but you're also you like the aesthetics. Of aesthetic. aesthetic. And if I'm going to spend 150 dollars, I want this fucking record the way I want it. Right. Like kiss my ass. I want the Obi. Okay. Um, or I at least want a copy that isn't browned on the edges, and with a hole punch. Right. In the top corner because it came from a radio station or something, for 150 dollars. And I'm looking at it. And it's there. It's in my hands. And I'm slowly just... The whole thing's just making me feel bad. It's just making me feel bad. And Mr. Malash is on standby, as we usually are. Yeah. During times of sickness. (laughs) And he makes the very good point about, like, if you're going to pay that much money for this record... Yeah. Get it the way you want it. And if it means you put it back and you wait till you're over there, I'd rather spend... 150 bucks. Even if I can't get it with the Obi, right? I will pull that copy out when I'm home and I will look at it and I will go, man, I remember when I bought this at, you know, record station in Shimokitazawa on a, on a beautiful spring day. And that chat I had with the guy behind the counter and that cute girl who walked by who smiled at me, like there'll be a story attached to it. Yeah. Not like, remember when that stinky guy with the, with the sweat stained Adidas zip up, like stepped on my foot. On the patio of Ideal Coffee? Nobody wants that. that is, that's a story, too, though, Jordan. <laughs> you really illustrated that really well. It's not a story anybody wants. No, that's true. That's true. So I put it back, Kate. Good for you. Kate, I had a giant wad of money in my hand. It must have been weird. That day. Because we had potentially had dinner plans. Yes. For later. So I had like $250 on me. Yeah. That's a lot of money. And then I just, I went and I chatted with Hisa for a bit. Yeah. The homie Hisa. Gotta go. I had to go say hey. And uh, then I just went right back to the bank and put that money all right back. Doesn't that, that makes me happy. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure. I didn't get the thing I wanted, but look at this money I got put back in the bank. That's why I was like, well, guess I'm getting new headphones for the pod. Then. <laughs> it's good. It's a good choice. I spent somebody's money today. It just sounds so rich right now. So I'm a little bummed because I got to wait two weekends. I got to wait two more weeks for like a fun record experience. It's Okay. Although, you got me. I have a great experience. It's true. I'm the Caitlin McKinnon experience. 
my God. It's a new spin. Buy- it's a spinoff pod. Yeah, yeah. The Kate McKinnon experience. The old lady Kate experience. <laughs> it's just, it's just going to be like, remember those old Chris Farley show sketches from SNL? Yeah. It's just going to be like nerding out at somebody. It's like, oh man, remember that time you did that thing? <laughs> it was great. It was great. Uh, yeah, that's basically what it's going to be. And don't tell me you don't want it, because I know you do. You liars. Oh, so that was my afternoon. How was yours, Kate? Uh, it was great. <laughs> I couldn't help it. Uh, I got to see my friend Stuart. Stuart! We hung out. We had some, some lunch. It was very nice. I haven't seen him in quite some time. You're in a very fancy lady dress today. Uh, it's the only thing I had left to wear. <laughs> It was either, like, the sweatiest sweatpants or, like, <laughs> this nice dress. Yeah. In which case, I had to, like, I couldn't just wear the dress and, like, running shoes and a hoodie. I'm sure Stuart and the public appreciated you not going with the sweatiest sweatpants. <laughs> Probably. So, yeah. But this, I was I was lamenting to senior correspondent Chris that, like, I ha- see, I'm wearing this dress, so that means I have to put earrings in and have a bracelet on and, like, nicer shoes and a nicer bag. And there's, like, much more preparation involved. And meanwhile, I can't just, like, throw on some jeans, which I, what, that's what I really wanted to do. Yo, this bag, <laughs> this bougie broad came in here with today, like, you gotta remember, uh, like, I'm used to, like, backpack Kate. Like, Kate, it, Kate is, is, like, like the like, epitome of backpack rap. Like, you yeah. think, you think of, like... Somebody going to the Lyricist Lounge to watch Most Def in a freestyle cipher in 1996. Like, that's Kate. That's that, that's the backpack level Kate is at, usually. Mm-hmm. She came in in her pretty dress, and that's what, who, who was it from? Who was that bag from? Uh, Kate Spade. Kate. Wow. Which? Fucking Kate Spade bag? Like Yeah. Um, which, of course, I did not buy, because I would never <laughs> buy something that nice as a bag. Um, it was from my lovely mother-in-law, and... For two years, about, I had it wrapped in plastic. Sounds about right. Um, which is the way I got it. And with, there was, like, the, the paper thing that keeps its shape. Right. I had, like, that was in my closet um, because I was terrified that I was going to scratch it or ruin it or stain it with something because that's, you know, me. Um, the other day, I ended up somehow... What did you say when I thought we should... When I suggested we, <laughs> we get white t- white sweatshirts for the perfume show? You were like, I will get chocolate on it within minutes. Like, with, like <laughs> I, there, I won't even be eating chocolate, and somehow there will be a chocolate stain. Like, how is there a fudgesicle stuck to you? How did this happen? <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I attract dirt. <laughs> Every picture of me as a child, I have got dirt <laughs> on my face. I'm like, will someone please just wipe my face? Stop the child from eating all the dirt. <laughs> please. <laughs> It's just always like you could tell it was sort of like a, a vaguely sticky, like black substance, like just like like just grubby. I looked like pictures of of poor Irish children in like <laughs> the like turn the- of the last century. Like that's how I always so look. Someone stopped that child from looking like the cover of Angela's Ashes. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a video of me, too, and, and one of them, of course, I'm not just walking like a normal child. I'm going, Rah! like, one-year-old me, like, walking down the street, and someone's like, oh, there goes Kate. You said there's a video of this? Oh, I've got, we've got tons of videos. I will go back to the bank and take out that $250 <laughs> I put back in and give it to your mother. No. If I can see. No, this is all my dad. He had a video recorder. He recorded everything for years, and he's now on his own, found, bought something from Amazon that lets him record the old 35-millimeter camera tapes Mm. onto CDs. And he's got this setup in his little, like, man cave at home. And he's been doing it with all of these 35-millimeter videos. Um, Stuart, get me this so I can put it on Twitter. (laughs) 
Anyways, there's just like so many grubby videos of me, da- me dancing to Madonna, which really they should have been watching what I was listening to. I've got holes in my socks. There's always dirt on me. I'm pretty pudgy. It's actually kind of cute and adorable. Um, but anyways, I don't even know how we got here. Not built for fancy bags. Right. So I was terrified. But then one day, because I think I was reading about someone my age who was hit by a car and died. <laughs> and I was like, you know, for life? It, it was like a news article. Like, life is too short to not want to mess up fancy bags. If I never use that bag, I will be dying in the middle of a road somewhere going, God damn it, I should have just worn the Kate Spade bag every single day because I'm worth it. And I would have been dead with a nice bag at least instead of like my grubby old one. Not that there was anything wrong with it. It was just, you know, literally falling apart. Just lying in the street with a Kate Spade bag and a fudgesticle stuck to her face. Yeah. <laughs> Paramedics are like, where did the, does anybody know where the fudgesticle came from? This is the Caitlin McKinnon experience. <laughs> Free fudgesicle with every episode. <laughs> this is you giving fudgesicles to D-level celebrities. Oh, man. It's TIFF season in Toronto right now. I don't know what was happening at the Great Hall when I came by, but people were very excited and holding up their phones, but I couldn't see from the streetcar who it was. See, never been interested, ever. Never. That's surprising more for you. It's not surprising for me, obviously. Mm-hmm. I've never done it, but surprising for you, given that you are a film person more I've than I I've only been to it once, and it was because my uncle worked on the music for the film, and so we got free tickets, and I didn't know. This was like years and years ago. I didn't know what a big deal it was going to become or any of that. Um, it was a movie called Snow Walker. It was actually quite good. I might give it to you someday if you can find it. Jeez. Um, that was a lot. Sorry. <laughs> Mile a minute over here. Brain doing donuts in, her, in the parking lot over there. But I just, I don't, as we talked about, care for a celebrity. Like, that doesn't matter to me. Mm. I think it would be interesting to be able to have a candid chat with a celebrity, like sit down for, as we talked about, sit down for lunch or dinner and sort of talk to them about, like, what's fame like and what's... The world of this, like, you get a small window of that in um, Neil Gaiman's um, short essay collection, uh, The View from the Cheap Seats. Mm. And he talks about, you know, what the Oscars are really like when you're not a star. Right. Which was very interesting. So all of that is interesting, but someone being a celebrity in and of themselves, I don't think I would get excited over. My brain does turn to mush. But I think it's out of a place of I don't want to come off as an idiot. Um, it just like my brain breaks down and I'm like, Buh. I don't know what to say to people. Because um, if you say something like, oh, I really loved this work. I'm like, everybody says that. Um, like, I really love your Instagram. <laughs> I really love your Instagram. Really well curated. Um, give your Instagram person a high five for me. Um, I'd like to be... Who's that weird Canadian rap journalist? He doesn't exclusively rap, but that's what always gets the traffic. Are you thinking of Nardwar? Yeah. What, what is it? Nardwar the Human Serviette. Nardwar the Human Serviette. Yes. He always pulls out these really, like, bits of unknown information. Or at least to someone like you. You would know that kind of stuff. And the artists are always like, holy shit. Like... I saw a bunch of clips of him doing this and like one I think I saw the thing too. I think it was, I think YouTube just decided to start pumping that out on people's algorithms where it was like rappers reacting to to Nardwar questions. Yeah. yeah. And one guy like wanted to give him his chain and was like, you're part of the crew now. Like that would be cool. But I just, I don't deep dive enough. I just be normie, Caitlin McKinnon, the normie who has nothing interesting to say. 
I saw Nardwar speak at a uh, Canadian University press conference. And? For young journalists. Um, Was he normal? Pretty much. Okay. I mean, he kind of just showed clips of old interviews. It wasn't like the most illuminating uh, talk I'd ever seen. Right. You know who else I saw speak at that conference? Who? Jean Goubeshi. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, awkward. He went so long. <laughs> I can only imagine. And in light of recent history, <laughs> that makes me wonder, we just set him loose in a hotel full of university students. Mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Bad look. So as you can tell, friends, there's not a whole lot kicking around. Uh, with news, this one is very excited about something, but yep. when I checked, yep. it was all more like, you know, f- feature articles type of thing. Like nothing, nothing, no like headlines per se. Um, I do have, the only thing I have is yeah. a very interesting story from your favorite. Okay. The world of wrestling. Yeah. So, this is not a WWE story. This okay. is an AEW story. Ooh. So, AEW is the Young Upstart promotion. Yeah. Recently started by some some indie wrestlers. Basically, they were challenged by uh, wrestling journalist Dave Meltzer. He made an offhanded comment that, like, guys like Cody Rhodes, who used to wrestle in the WWE and left at a time when it was like, why would you ever? Because it was like, of course, you know, you're leaving your meal ticket type of thing. But Cody wasn't happy. He wanted to try to do his own thing. And Dave Meltzer was basically saying guys like Cody and these wrestlers, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, guys who worked in, new, you know, new J- overseas in New Japan type of thing. You mm-hmm. know, they, they couldn't sell out, you know, 5,000 seats or whatever. Right. So they put it out. They did a one-off pay-per-view called All In, I think. Um, and in like some arena in Chicago, sold out in minutes. It was like a greatest hits like indie show type wow. of thing. And they were like, "Holy shit, well, maybe we should do something with this." And yeah. link up with the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Tony yes, Khan. Yes, yes. This is the part I know. Yes. <laughs> so now they have money, and now it's a viable thing, and they're going to have a TV show on TNT that starts uh, in October, I think. And they just had a pay-per-view a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh, shit. Remind me to show you Orange Cassidy when Orange we're Cassidy. on break. Um, and they had their title match and made sense. Chris Jericho is the AEW world champion. Right. You want to start that TV show with a with a known quantity. Yeah. People are curious. They're going to tune in. Maybe they haven't watched wrestling for a while. They're going to go, oh, I know him. That's Chris Jericho. He's hilarious. He has lists. He is hilarious. He has lists. Now he's got... I don't understand why the marks are so crazy about this. Okay. But after his, he's the king of like organic bits. Like right. when he just does something and people latch onto it and he can tell immediately. Like what's going to What sell. to lean into. Mm-hmm. Like when he dropped the phrase, you just made the list to somebody. <laughs> and he noticed he just, he's like a tuning fork for stuff that'll get over with a crowd. So he right. said that and people were like, la- he like just caught that people seemed to laugh at that. So he came out the next week with a fucking clipboard. And was like, <laughs> yeah, it was so good. And then it became the list of Jericho. So his whole vibe now is kind of like, he's always kind of played a variation of douchebag rock star. Right. Um, now he like wears this, he comes up to the ring in this like leather jacket with spikes on it and a fedora. Like Amazing. Um, he kind of puts like, you know, crow light makeup, like yeah. a little mascara with a teardrop on it or something, that type of thing. <laughs> um, he just makes me laugh so much. So he's, he's backstage. AEW tends to do a little more of the like, you know, post event match interviews type thing, which right. is a very Japan type, you know, new Japan type thing. And he's back there, and he's by himself. It's like the belt presentation ceremony with some official giving him the belt. Right. And he's by himself, and there's, like, champagne there. And he says the phrase, oh, a little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> and the marks loved this, and it became a huge thing. And, like, you know, pro wrestling tees made a little bit of the bubbly shirt, like, within an hour. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just, like, a huge thing. And so then when this happens, this is nuts. 
apparently, this has all been resolved now, but apparently, so he wins the title, goes to the Longhorn Steakhouse in, in Tallahassee. Yeah. Have a little celebratory dinner by of himself. Of course, of course. Leaves the belt in the limo, and somehow the belt went missing. Oh, my God. For like 24 hours. <gasps> he lost the fucking belt. I still, at the time, I was like, this is a work. This is right. nuts. Like, right. there's no way. He cuts a promo in like the 27 hours that the belt was missing in a hot tub. <laughs> With his fedora on and sunglasses <laughs> and a champagne flute. He always has a champagne flute now. <laughs> uh, this is <laughs> so kind of sad. Have, it just makes me laugh. So we can have a little bit of the bubbly <laughs> at all times. They find the bell. Apparently some kid found it at like the side of the road or something. Right. <laughs> and there's also a weird thing where like the Tallahassee cops like posted on their Facebook that they had it. But then deleted it like 20 minutes later type of thing. And uh, people were like, do they have the belt? What? Did they find it? Did they not? They did They did find it. But yeah, he, Jericho cuts his promo about like, I don't even need a belt. Everybody knows I'm the <laughs> belt doesn't matter to me. I'm the AEW champion. Everybody knows I'm the best in the world. What do I need a belt for? He's a genius. And that's the weirdest story that happened in wrestling this week. Like also just kind of made me feel. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, fi- it's awesome. And it worked out in the end. But like <laughs> when I heard it before they had found the belt, it's like. Oh, that's so clown shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you really want this promotion to, like, be a viable alternative to what you don't like about, you know, the WWE. Yeah. The fucking lose the championship <laughs> in a backseat of a limo. Like, the theory is just like they left it on the trunk and drove away. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that type of thing. Anyway. Yeah. That's the only bit of news I had, aside from, you know... Twitter takes on the Joker movie that I got through about, I think, two minutes and 35 seconds of before I was like, I'm out. Was it just like back and forth and back and forth? It was like the the catalyst was a Facebook from, uh, quote from somebody on Facebook being like, I don't want a movie that celebrates mental illness and, you know, the heroic side. What's, what's the opposite of demonize? Um, <laughs> Heroicizes. And basically saying that it's making him sympathetic type of thing. It's like, right. oh, you say that about Taxi Driver, blah, blah, blah. Well, Taxi Driver was a condemnation of toxic masculinity and this, blah, blah, blah. Like, bah, 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 bah. All like, of that. <laughs> the chirping on both sides. That was like, that's okay. We're good. Mm-hmm. Well. We are tapped out of Twitter this week. I am not. Still go men right women. Hilarious. Get above Twitter. Hilarious. Um, what made you... <laughs> I kind of had a meltdown earlier. Gas with glee. I almost feel like it's a possibility we have already talked about this, but I had forgotten, and thank (laughs) God I did, because it was so fucking exciting. So I was looking at articles, seeing if there's something that I remembered from this week that I thought was interesting. To to preface this, this starts because, (laughs) new listeners, if you've forgotten... Caitlin McKinnon has very strong feelings about the take economy. I do. As much as we love to make jokes about giving you the hot takes, the actual hot take economy, Caitlin hates. I do. Caitlin does not want to see 2,000 word essays on, you know, a 35 second trailer. No, I do not. She is done with that. And a lot of these (laughs) think pieces, clickbaits, always usually have a headline with a variation on the theme of, we need to talk about X. Yeah. So I just hear, she's looking at her phone and she just starts going, we really don't though. Like we don't. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what do we need to talk about? Because the Mary Sue says we need, or IO9 says we need to talk about something. Yeah. So in this case, it was, we need to talk about an Ahsoka Tano movie. And for okay. those of you, okay. well, I'm going to give, some, give like, some background. Who is Ahsoka Tano? 
Um, so Star Wars, before they had the relaunch of the movies, um, had a cartoon show that they put out called Clone Wars. Yes. Which was set in between, if you're going by the like prequel trilogy numbers, set between movie two and three. And dove into sort of what had happened with Anakin Skywalker and more of the politics and the war, the Clone Wars uh, war, at that time. Mm. And it was, uh, I don't know how many seasons, eight seasons, seven seasons. I, I, I can't remember. I really can't remember. Anyways, maybe it was fewer than that. The point was I really enjoyed the show, and they introduced a female character named Ahsoka Tano. Who was... Orange chick with the... St- like yeah. tails hanging off of her head? Basically, yeah. Um, and Anakin Skywalker was her master. Right. Um, and initially, it's a hard introduction because it, it, it was a kid's show. And initially, even I was like, ugh, no, what are they doing? But as this season progressed, especially second season, Ahsoka Tano became a beloved character. Absolutely beloved. Um, they brought her back for the of the show Rebels, which was another animated television show set later on in between uh, movie number three and movie number four. And anyways, there have always been calls for more Ahsoka Tano because she's just a fun, fantastic character. However, (laughs) I don't think we need an Ahsoka Tano movie. I just don't. And this was saying how there was this fan-made Ahsoka Tano trailer, and this shows that we, you know, we really do need an Ahsoka Tano movie. No, we don't. Comic books, maybe. Um, again, animated TV show. Sure, why not? But we don't need a movie. We really don't. I, I just don't feel we do. And as I was reading, in it, it was just one little line in this article. It was how, I hope the next season of Clone Wars has more Ahsoka Tano in it. What a twist! And I kind of had a bit of a meltdown. So to this point, your belief was that the Clone Wars was finished. Was finished. Done. Years ago. 2014, I think, was the last season. I went, huh? No, no, no. And sure enough, there was another season of Clone Wars coming to Disney Plus. Disney Plus? On February, in February 2020. Oh, damn. Not even that far away. Again, I'm sure... Everybody fucking knows about this, and maybe I had heard it. Or I don't think we've talked about it on the show. I just don't know. There's just so much fucking content out there. Maybe <laughs> maybe I mentioned it, or maybe I wasn't excited, or maybe... I don't know. Maybe I already watched it. Maybe I'm the Mandalorian. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And we all know I am the Mandalorian. Caitlin is the Mandalorian. Anybody who's taking care of babies? Me. Shooting people? <laughs> me. Um, of course, that's why you're the Mandalorian. Traveling Taking space, care of a baby. I'm traveling through space. I'm knowing things. All important for me. Solving mysteries. <laughs> me. Me and baby. Um, solving all the mysteries. Um, anyways, I if I heard about this and if I didn't acknowledge it, this is ridiculous. I am very excited. I don't she, know. She is very excited. I, I kind of, I really did freak out. I was like, what? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> is this the reality? <laughs> Uh, uh, am I in this reality? Just slapping her own face. Just yeah. like, what? What? Anyways, I'm very, very excited with that. So that is something um, that is thrilling and exciting. <laughs> thrilling. And I hope everyone will will watch with me. If you like fun stuff, just watch The Clone Wars. It's fun. It's great. It's great. 
Do we have any other news? Um, we do. The Steven Universe movie is out, apparently. Yes, I saw a couple takes about plot points because we know we don't care about spoilers. Of course not. Um, everyone should watch that. I'm going to watch it as soon as I get home. Um, there is going to be a Tomb Raider sequel. Uh, like game like no which no, version the movie the movie when was that <laughs> i don't i don't know three years ago who, four years ago who was it i can't played her vikander some something vikander yeah yeah okay. that's that's the one it was actually not bad it reminded me a lot of the rise of the tomb raider movie i think it was called the she w- wasn't in that that's not what this is the sequel to? No, she was. But I mean the, the, the video game. Sorry. Oh. Rise of the Two Men. They like, did a couple scenes that were very like video game cinematic things. Right. Which was a little weird, but it did remind me somewhat of that. The video game storyline was better, though, than this Tomb Raider. The Tomb Raider movie. Because they made it non-magical. And in the Tomb Raider movie, there was actually, like... I think they're called on- Onagi. They're like... um. Ogres? Sure. Okay. Anyways, they're Japanese ogres. Um, they were in here, and there were like all these mummies and stuff. It was really cool. Um, it was actually a lot of fun. It's a long game, though. And that's it until we get to updates. So, yeah, no no news. So, let's get to updates. Okay. Uh, I don't have much because I work all the time, and <laughs> most of my life is spent reading reviews of backpacks because this is my current <laughs> obsession. Right. So I feel like I need a backpack. To go to Japan? I mean, I could tell you a lot about backpacks. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk on the break. So, yeah, if any of you have a hot take for a uh, backpack that's about 32 to 33 centimeters wide. Amazing. Um, and will not make me look like a fourth grader. I have very specific needs. You do, yes. <laughs> for this. When did USB ports become such a big thing on backpacks? I don't they know. all have them now. Like, you put your battery pack in the backpack, and then there's a port. So, you can just plug your phone on the outside of the backpack to charge it because you need to charge and go yeah, just, just just staying on the move also if you want everyone to know what over engineering is look at backpacks look at some of these backpacks amazing you gotta reinvent the wheel y'all um so yeah it's just uh st- stuff about backpacks and i recently discovered that there's a series of three minute shorts subtitled in english on the waifu world 2 official worldwide <laughs> youtube channel yeah called girls band pico something Right. We're just little chibi versions go on little weird adventures. Which is the show I want. <laughs> Kate, Kate would like forget the actual like anime like telling their story. No, she just nope. wants little shorts of chibis running around. Yep. Um, the theme song is, can we say spaz anymore? Is spaz allowed? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I think. Um, Twitter I Twitter will let me know if it's not. But um, the end credits is just this really frenetic song and just little chibi versions of the characters spazzing out as they play their instruments. And that's the show I want. Apparently... Chibi spazzing out are like my it's favorite. It's basically thing in life. we just want chibis. Yeah, that's basically the jam. We just want chibis. Yeah, because even if you try and like do weird fan stuff with chibis, it doesn't work because they're just fat little like characters. <laughs> it, like fan service doesn't work. That's with what chibis. it is. You can't you can't do fan service with chibis. And if you if that's your jam, you just you're you're weird. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I fully intended to be able to talk about the uh, book I started reading today, but I haven't started reading the book yet. Jordan, all about reading. You were like, I'm going to read. It's going to be great. It's going to read. And then Kate was like, maybe we don't have time for dinner tonight or blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I'm fucking going home then. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I'm I, one of those, like, I had that crate, well, 
work is crazy right now, so I'm like extra levels of exhausted, <laughs> like back to endometriosis exhausted, oh, where no. I'm like, it's not quite as bad, but I'm probably going to fall fall asleep on the train home, so, you know. I'll fall asleep 50 minutes after she leaves today. <laughs> it's called Trick Mirror. It's by Gia Tolentino, I think her name is. New Yorker staff writer. Fancy. Fancy, yeah, fancy. I know. You're talking fancy about my purse. I got to just hold that book around and everyone's going to carry that book. Everyone's going to think I'm fancy. It's a real weird thing with, with like 70s throwback book covers lately. Hmm. I notice these things in my industry. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Speaking of my industry, y'all, uh, I had something get published this week. I probably should have led with that. Yeah, you should have. Personal, personal news. So, I mean, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, half an air horn. That's what that gets. What is wrong with you? <laughs> You're broken. You know that, right? You're broken. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, 33 and a third, the B-sides. It's out. It's available on Amazon. Not in Canada, apparently. That's stupid. Um, or like, listen, Canada, Amazon is a disaster. I don't know. Amazon.ca is a disaster. I don't know if you're familiar with this. I am. Where it's like, oh, it's available for, th- you know, for seven fifty on Amazon. You click through and Amazon redirects you to Canada. And it's like, add to cart, $473. <laughs> what is happening on Canadian Amazon? Yeah, my essay on perfume is in there. Um, hooray. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Mr. Malash has me a screenshot of him. Like, oh, I met I met uh, Dr. Robot for for dinner on two, Thursday. And I'd just gotten my copy that day. Yeah. And I was uh, waiting at the restaurant her to show up and i was flipping through it and i was like hey it's new book day and she was holding it and she was looking at it and she's like did you, did you get paid for this i said yeah you're holding it yep that's my paycheck publishing <laughs> yeah it's true though but i mean yeah miss and then mr malash has me a screen cap of like you know his cart on amazon buying the book i was like thank you i'll get a royalty but i mean thanks but still thanks for the support want to read the essay um you too can read the essay in the book until like next year when I say fuck it and I just like reprint it on my website or something. But yeah, that's what that is. And hey, if you buy the book, there's a link in the back to uh, go to a survey to vote on if you'd like to see any of those essays fleshed out into a full length book. And I think I have ideas. So he does have ideas. You should let him write his ideas. They're really good. Um. So yeah, go to go to that. He gets specifically uncomfortable when I say his ideas are good and that he's a good writer. Look at him getting uncomfortable. Oh, he's so uncomfortable. He's a very good writer. I announced this in one of my work emails yeah. to people. I took a gif of, um, oh, what's his name from New Girl? Did you ever watch New Girl? Yeah, a or, little bit. Um, the ma- Nick Miller, that's what his name yeah. was. Who I believe at that point, you know, maybe eventually he became a writer, but he wanted to be a writer. He did become a writer. And he was like at his laptop sitting there going, okay, this is good. <laughs> and then immediately gets up and goes, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I included that gif with the, with the title, my process. Um. Yeah. So that's out there. I mean, I'll throw. I'll throw. I'll throw a link on Twitter or something. Yes, you should. If people, if people want to buy it, or read they do. It. <laughs> Jesus, relax. You need to calm down. I would be fucking psyched if anyone published anything of mine. I am trying. Listen, self care minute with Jordan K. I'm trying to. You know, anything in the creative field is like. It ain't about what you did. It's what you're doing next, right? Like. Yes, I guess. That's that's like. I'm not saying that's how you should look at it. That's just like, it's what are you working on now? And it's like, motherfucker, I just, I just, like, can you give me like five minutes? Like, I just put something out. What are you working on, Jordan? I will throw you <laughs> out the window. 
so I'm trying to be. If you were to stack up, you know, not like I have a shit ton of credits or anything, but I mean, if you were to stack up everything my name's been in in the last like five years, yeah, it's an all right little pile I've got going. Like, yeah. So I'm just trying to be, and it's a it's a higher pile than a lot of other people of varying ages who call themselves writers. Yeah, I have. don't do anything. <laughs> You keep a school functioning. Eh. The children are our future. You know that. <laughs> Get to that in the second half. Uh, yeah, and we Yakuza when I have time. That's it. Keeping keeping my hostess bar humming along. Amazing. So, remember how you talked about how I was into film? <laughs> film, yes. Film. You are into film. So, I watch a lot of YouTube videos, and <laughs> I came across this video about... A director I liked but didn't know I liked. His name is David Fincher. And he's <laughs> he's directed a bunch of stuff that I really like. I knew that David Fincher was a director. But I did not realize how many things he directed oh that God. I liked. Okay? Alright? Like what? You're going to just do dings. That's yeah, absolutely what I'm going to do. Um, Seven. Fight Club. Uh, the Madonna Vogue video. Oh, really? Yes. What? Uh, the movie Zodiac. Yes. He he's also I I haven't seen it because it's not my type of movie. But Gone Girl, he's done. Um, he did also did the video for Judith by a Perfect Circle. Yes, he did, and he did a Tool video as well. Um, he's also done a bunch of like Paula Abdul and a bunch of Madonna stuff and uh, Sting. He did uh, Fields of Gold. Um, which is such a fucking wow. good video. <laughs> you know what? Shut up. Um, yeah, and he, he did Benjamin Button. Right, he did. Which to me is just like, okay, David Fincher, sure. Uh, he did Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Anyways. Now he does Mindhunter. He, he, Mindhunter, which I don't know if I'm going to like because I really like. I'm surprised you haven't watched it yet, to be honest. I really like shows where they talk about the process of solving the crime and how the crime was committed. Um, I don't necessarily like... I, I do like what they call... Oh, God. Forensic psychology. Uh, yes, forensic psychology, but they call it something particular when you are basically profiling. Right. I do like profiling. I find it very, very fascinating. But I like them doing the profiling. I don't necessarily want to go in depth with the murderers. Um, I don't know that it does that. Have you seen any of it? No. I've seen, seen a couple. I've seen a couple episodes. And I mean, it starts where like the practice didn't exist. exist. Yes. So it's basically this tension between, you know, the the mind hunter, <laughs> um, whoever that dude from Glee is playing. Yes. Um, basically him and a cop and like a cop the cop does not care right it's like well if we understand why they do these things we can maybe better predict if they'll happen in the future and the right. cops are just like don't care yeah like they're not people like yeah we don't need to understand them why do i want to understand them like yeah which and and that is and that tension that discussion is interesting which i might dive into because I, I really like i hadn't actually watched zodiac and basically the the video i watched was why zodiac was so interesting a lot of people say it's his best movie i've seen it once um i should probably watch it again but um i of, think there's, there's a school of people who say zodiac is i think best fight movie. club is his best movie hands down that that is close to a perfect movie for me put put that to the socials which many people have they have opinions. They have takes. I don't want their takes, Jordan. <laughs> I want to have a human conversation. I might go seven. 
Seven is great. Yo, he did the game. Fuck that. Yeah, he did the, the game. game. The game is slept on. The game is like the sophomore yes. album. The game is the David Fincher's Pinkerton. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a sophomore album nobody remembers, but it's actually fucking great. Yeah. But I just, I apparently really like his work and really like his music videos. And he's done so many music videos. So Kate's got some dark shit to work through is what we're learning. Yes. Well, we always do that. I'm part of the murder corner. I was like, and this is this is from a Sarah Scribbles comic where it's like, I like romance, I like fantasy and science fiction, and then it's just like Sarah in Murder Corner. It's like this dark, gross corner. So, it's coming up organically. Yeah. This is ruining. This is going to ruin Slim Slim episode this week. Okay. It's always something. It's always something. He's going. <laughs> he's going it's to going, the other section. He's going to bank too because yeah. we got to talk about. We got to talk about how when it comes to true crime. <laughs> Okay. Or rather, I do. I was really... So we recall in the summer, uh, friends, international listeners, you may not recall that in the summer there was a, there was a manhunt all summer mm-hmm. for these two kids in, in the West Coast who killed a couple people. Yeah. Three and, people to be exact. And I know so many people who were like just appalled at this behavior. These guys are monsters. We need to catch them. And I'm like, yeah, until they make a fucking podcast about them and you guys are all like, oh, I love it. It's so great. Right. You morbid fucking people. Like, Okay. All right. I just, when that's your whole jam. Okay. Like. Is that anybody's whole jam? I know some people who it's their whole jam. Okay. Like, I am going to the true crime section of the bookstore. My podcast feed is nothing but like, to be fair, I haven't, you know, it's not like, you know, I'm not trying to be all. Okay. On the, you know, my favorite murder crew or whatever. (laughs) Like murderinos, like I I don't. Okay, so here's the thing. So we know I love the show Forensic Files, yes, which are all that is is true crime, basically. Except you could take the crime away, not the crime itself, obviously, but like that personal aspect of it, and that would be fine. I don't really need. You're into science. You watch Forensic Files for science. For science, but also for how they went about solving the mystery. Yes. That's what I want to want to know about. It's why I love Sherlock Holmes. He'll he'll walk through his methodology, right? Um I pr- surprised I didn't really like the first episode of uh I can't remember what it's called. It's set in New York. They basically uh, are coming up with the profession of forensics, right? Um is show on Netflix. Uh, I'll think of it eventually and then it's yell it out. It's not Mindhunter? No, no. It's set in like the turn of the last century, late 1800s. Right. And uh, it has some weird name. Anyways, um, I didn't really like the first episode, but we'll get into that some other day. Uh, I don't... The, the personal aspect of it, that I could do without. I don't like to hear about kids dying and people getting raped and murdered. And that, to me, that's not fun or thrilling or interesting. That's horrifying and upsetting and sad. I just love how do they solve this puzzle. That's what I love. And unfortunately, a lot of what I'm into comes with this human baggage, right? <laughs> Which sounds very strange. I, I, Of course, I care that these things happen. Human baggage was a song on the cut song from the recent Tool album. <laughs> But and I, I, I don't I don't know what it is for you know for the people who like 
you know, you listen like listen friends? to every fucking pod, you know podcast series right. about these horrible murders and shit. I think like I don't know what's it. Maybe it's maybe it's the same thing for them. Maybe it is, but it just. I mean, and and those stories are interesting. Stories about you know people who get abducted and disappear and then all of a sudden reappear, or you know, there's a why that people want to know, and there are aspects of it in science but there's also like we just talked about this mind hunter profiling aspect why do these people do what they do and i think people find that fascinating or why did someone get accused in the media what is it that was what was the case that was built up against them in in the media and in society um i think that's interesting as well i think if it's your whole jam you may want to go out a little bit go go learn more about forensic science or you know maybe read some fiction that's probably a good thing to do um i don't know if they're just if it's just okay to to read that maybe it is maybe they're totally fine they just this is what they're interested in i don't get if that's your jam get at me it's never been my jam i don't i don't understand the appeal to that extent well and this is what was interesting about that youtube video about David Fincher's Zodiac is that bring the, it full circle, y'all. <laughs> the the film is not about the murderer. No. The film is about the journalists and the police officers um, and the people who are trying to solve this. And that's what's so interesting about it. And of course, he's just he's like he masterfully set up set, uh, sets up scenes. Um, and it's actually very Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, if you know anything about the way Alfred Hitchcock uh, sets up scenes and people and body language, um, it's very similar. Um, and anyways, it's been really interesting, and I really like the movie, and I'm going to watch more David Fincher. Kate likes David Fincher. I do. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, possibly Downey's best performance, if you are sick of seeing Robert Downey Jr. play Tony Stark. I think Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was <laughs> Robert Downey Jr.'s best performance. Possibly. I mean, he was also good in Chaplin, but like, the movie about Charlie Chaplin? I'm aware. Okay. All right. I just... <laughs> Where my Chaplin head's at? <laughs> Get it, Kate. Uh, Any other updates for you? That's about it. Just YouTube videos on David Fincher. Yeah. Hey, I'm just yeah. wa- I'm just watching whatever clips of Sherman Showcase I can get <laughs> on, on YouTube. and uh, you Everything know, you've shown me is very funny. Three minute... Three-minute videos of chibis. Uh, Black Lady Sketch Show has been very funny. I've been watching close to that. Haven't seen. Haven't seen much lately. Just a few hits on on YouTube here and there. Yeah. But yeah, kind of an off week for us content-wise. But I mean, listen, that's how it goes. Life happens, y'all. It is a very busy time right now. I got my schedule sorted out, which you should have as well, because it is September. Get your schedule together. Sort your shit out, you animals. We're going to sort our shit out and take a break right here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the things we brought each other. Back to format. Yeah. <laughs> you I'm look excited. So, look so confused. Oh, the parking lot quinceanera is happening. And welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the things we've given each other, which we have actually done this time. Yeah. Because we're back to format. For once. For once. But before we get into the things we've brought each other, we have to talk about our rules. Still got them. Of course. I mean, sometimes we don't follow them, but we've still got them. 
<laughs> we have the, we have them in our hearts, and that's <laughs> that's as important. The rules were the friends we made along the way. Yeah. Uh, the first rule is the rule of three, which is if the thing comes in parts, we will watch, read, consume three of those parts so the thing gets a chance to become the thing it's trying to become. Irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. Movies. Movies. I think it's going to be cinematic September. Oh, my God. You told me it didn't have a theme. You told me off mic there wasn't going to be a theme. And guess what, Jordan? I fucking lied. <laughs> Straight to your face. <laughs> I've been thinking about a name for like a week. <laughs> I was like, well, the thing starts with like S. And I was like, oh, it doesn't need to start with S. It just needs to be an alliteration. <laughs> Once I thought that, the doors just swung right open. <laughs> You're such a fucking prick. <laughs> uh, and guess what? I am the mean one. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I'm not putting it in the show description. Oh dear. Um We're trying to make a fetch happen. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so it's it's not relevant because we've given each other movies. Uh the second rule oh is god. hashtag save it for the pod. Don't talk about the thing. Cause we want to give you the freshest of takes. We want to have moments like what just happened. <laughs> but we understand that the things we're giving each other may not be as fresh. So old. They're not 16 different fucking articles on the Joker movie that hasn't even come out yet. <laughs> no. They're just our fresh take on old things. And finally, the third rule, which is not really a rule, it's actually just a policy, is that there will be spoilers. We get right into things, especially if they're old. Movies from the 80s. Oh, yeah. Get your shit together. Seriously. All right. With that out of the way... Let's talk about the thing I brought Jordan. On the heels of last week's discussion, or um. someone, as often happens, discovers I have not seen something and is excited. delighted. I'm so delighted. I found out that Jordan hadn't seen the movie The Dark Crystal. Nope. I mean, this came up because I had binged all of the recent TV show on Netflix. Like, actually binged. Like, the, text, I did. the textbook was, definition. Oh, yeah. Like, to the point where senior correspondent Chris and I were like, this is bad. We have done a bad thing. We need to peel ourselves off of this couch. <laughs> it's like going to be that thing where your thigh is stuck to the bus seat because oh, yeah. you're in shorts. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be like a sound. It's going to be awful. Nasty. That That's how it was. Not nasty. But I have found out that Jordan hadn't seen The Dark Crystal, which I found amusing and delight, and I was delighted and also confused because he's a child of the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, he should have seen this very terrifying movie oh did your mom not sit you down when you were like four to watch this no i got parental guidance as a child so oh okay all right well good to know it's just me no wonder i like murder corner so much i was given dark shit like this to watch anyways the dark crystal is a 1982 puppet animated dark fantasy adventure film directed by jim henson and frank oz it's star- okay, it doesn't matter whose voice is. I mean, nobody you know. Literally nobody. No. Um, the design work, so this is the trifecta, I like to call them. It is Jim Henson, Frank Oz, and Brian Froud. So I almost violated rule two, because when Brian <laughs> Froud's name came up, yeah. I almost blew up your messenger. I was like, I know him! Because <laughs> yeah. you lost your mind mm-hmm. about him. Uh, maybe when I saw Labyrinth, you lost your mind. Yeah. Some mention about, he has the best fairy books. 
He does. Um, he was brought in to do all the design work of the entire movie. Um, Jim Henson had seen something he'd drawn and just loved his style, which is a, it's a very unique, very beautiful style that's been emulated for years, um, but definitely was very big in the 80s. Or um, just, you know, for some of us, completely invisible. Yeah, because they didn't have a dark, twisted childhood like the rest of us. So Jen, a Gelfling... Raised by the noble race called the Mystics, has been told that he's the last survivor of his own race. He sits out to try and find a shard of the dark crystal, a powerful gem that once provided balance to the universe, specifically their planet. After the crystal was broken, the evil Skeksis used sinister means to gain control. Jen believes that he can repair the dark crystal and bring peace back to the world if he can only find the remaining shard. I think that's a pretty good synopsis. We'll get probably into the story itself more um the movie was definitely pegged as a children's movie which as a child who watched this when they were a child it was horrifying and dark and totally gave me nightmares for months and months but jim henson had this idea that it's not good for kids not to be scared that they should see some dark things um as i mentioned about the miniseries on Netflix or the, the television series on Netflix. Who is this for? Um, I really think this is for, like, older kids and adults who love this kind of thing. Um, I now enjoy it as sort of, like, a masterclass in puppetry and design and really cool dark fantasy. Again, as a child, give me nightmares for months. Jordan. What did you think of The Dark Crystal? We often talk sometimes about certain types of movies that are not made anymore. Yeah, absolutely. How did this... Get made? Not even on, like, this is terrible, not on, like, you know, terrible movie podcast type of how did this get made, but, like, this is like an ayahuasca dream, like... Yeah, um, I think it was a mix of Henson had a lot of money from The Muppet Show and The Muppets and Sesame Street and could kind of, I mean, it was it was Henson Studios and some other um, studio and then Universal sort of distributed it. And it's always ITV, isn't it? Isn't that how they got the, I don't in think England? in this case it was ITV, but. No, um, I think it came up in the, uh, oh, in the opening title card. Yeah, um, but th- there was like, there was money there and this was a dream project for Jim Henson and. Frank Oz, um, and they, it took them years to make this film. I believe it. Um, and so that's where this money came from. It definitely wasn't an idea that they pitched to a room full of executives and they're like, that sounds great. Sounds very family friendly. Caitlin's mouthful in the description maybe didn't get this across that word salad she spewed out, but like, there's not a human in this movie. No, it's all puppetry. all puppets. Um, and what I didn't know until I sort of saw the making of, of the television series is that the Skeksis puppets are fully human sized puppets. There are three humans in the Skeksis puppets. Those would be the bird ass motherfuckers who are the bird lizard (laughs) things. I love to call people bird ass motherfuckers. (laughs) And I did that a lot during this, during this movie. Yeah. Um, and the story is very dark. It's about like a really dark world. Um, there is a race of people have, that have gone extinct. Like, that on its own is really dark for a kid to comprehend. Um, a couple of them. Yep. There's like a dozen of each of them left. I did not oh, well, read... Well, there's, there's... Okay, so there's the, the Skeksis, and then there are the 
Uru, uh, but they're called the Mystics. So there's about 10 of each of these. Um, and then the Gelflings, which is um, the closest you would say are human, but they're not humans. They're sort of like elf-like beings. And all I the ladies guess. have And the ladies have wings. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> this is one of those ones Caitlin loves where it's like, hot take, Jordan, did you like it? And I go, I don't, don't know. know. I mean... Um, was it shouts to the world they built? Yes. Like, there's a huge info dump at the start of the movie, which is normally not the sort of thing I like, but. In this case, you kind of need it. You kind of need it. And I mean, y'all thought this out. Like, all of this makes sense. You know, it's an info dump, but there's a lore there. Somebody obviously spent some time. I think I read later that the reason they ultimately went with a prequel for the Netflix show was just because there was so much backstory. Like, yeah. Not going to say, I'm using it knowing this isn't. It wasn't to this level, but like, you know, Tolkien-esque levels of detail, like in right. the in the back. Like they mm-hmm. they knew Henson and Oz and Fruit Froud Fruit Froud Fruit Fruit? Froud. Froud. They knew if you had a question about something, it may not be in the movie, but they could answer it, you know, like they knew mm-hmm. the three the, those three guys knew the story of this world. And all that info was still laying around, so when it came time to like, we want to do another Dark Crystal thing. Sequel? Uh I don't know. Prequel. Oh. Look at all this stuff you we got here for you. And like cannot be undersold just the technical achievement involved in you know the design of the characters themselves gelflings are a little meh they kind of look like they're wearing felt skin faces <laughs> yes. Um, yes they do they look, they've skinned somebody and are now wearing their face yeah um which is, which is really interesting because in the making of of the the series they talk about how jim was most disappointed with the gelflings mm. that was the thing that he really wanted to fix and they and they did a lot of that work um, but was really interesting as well was uh, Wendy Froud, Brian's wife, who at the time they actually met, I believe, on the Dark Crystal. Um, she was she was the one who made the puppets of the Gelflings, and when they brought her in to assist with the show, she's like, "These were all the technical issues," mm-hmm. and she's like, "They were like, oh, we're not going to have any of these problems. The technology's changed so much." She's like, "No, no, they ran into all of the same problems, which is like, how do you get them to emote properly? Right. How do you get them to do this?" So there is limitations to what the technology can do, even even today. Um, but it's still you do get lost. I mean, of course, you never know. You always know that these are puppets, but you do, especially as a child, get lost in the story. There and <clears throat> so, on the one hand, if I say you know it's a technical marvel, the level of skill and craftsmanship done with these puppets, there are moments, and I have this sometimes with just Henson stuff in general, where it's like there's heat check moments, right? It's like look at these cool ass puppets. Yeah. Look what we can do with them. Yeah. Do we need to be doing this for as long as we're doing? Probably not. Probably not. Look at these cool-ass puppets, though. Yeah. <laughs> that banquet scene with the bird asses, I'm like, this is going a little long. Yeah. We don't need to be doing all this. But they're there. Look at them puppets eating. <laughs> Look at them puppets eating and having a great old time. Yeah. Look at everything they can do. That's my only issue. That's my only issue, often with Henson stuff in general. Um, and with this in specific, where it's like, okay, chop, chop. <laughs> Let's we'll move it along. What? Uh, it's what only are you it's, about? it's only ninety minutes. No, there are dead scenes where there's like it. It is yes. There are elements of movement, obviously. That you know, as Caitlin said, the Gelflings have a problem with that. Those like things they're riding. Yeah. There's a moment, <laughs> so they they look like deer, mantis, something. I don't know. They have oh, these weird like kind of gangly legs. And what's the what's the lady Gelfling's name? Oh God, Suzanne. Uh, sure, Suzanne. <laughs> Suzanne's like, hold on tight. They go fast. 
They do not go fast. <laughs> they kind of clop along. But then it's immediately followed by, like, this terrifying scene of these giant cockroach things that the uh, Skeksis always send out. Like, yeah. cuts away just before they devour one of these things. Or I don't know what they do it. They just club it to death or eat it or what. But I was like, that's the moment where if I was a child, I'd You're be like, like I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I'm gone. I'm out. I think I ended up crying. And my mom was like, what's wrong? I'm like, ah, it's just so dark. Why have you visited this horror upon me? <laughs> yeah. I'm three. Um and definitely, like, look, I was a little pressed for time this week, so it was playing in the background while I cleaned the house. Yeah. And there were definitely moments where it's like, you must find the shard of the dark crystal. And then he's like, suddenly he's at some chick's house with a telescope and she throws a bunch of rocks on the ground. Yeah. And it's like, oh, is it this one? He has found the shard. Hey, it's for a kid's the dark movie. crystal. I'm like, well, that was easy. It's a um, movie. I had to go back to Wikipedia afterwards. I'm like, did he, did he seriously find it that easy? It was yeah. a test. It was a bunch of shards. He had to pick the right one. He used his but he flute. Did because he used the music. He used music to find the right shard. It's creepy when he uses the flute because you can't capture that motion with puppets that well. No, you can't. Um, but I mean, you know, it's, I don't know what came when, but like Jim Henson is a genius character designer. So I mean, like. Mm-hmm. The, the bird asses, the the mystics, which I did not understand that they were paired until I like went back and read. Maybe you something. shouldn't have been doing dishes I, and watching it in the background. Do, do you like this tidy house that you're recording? <laughs> I told you I was working Monday to Friday. This place could have been rough. Because, um, like, you know, one of them gets, one of the bird asses gets cut by the shard. And then there's, like, they're, like, clomping along somewhere. Like, they've, they've all left their valley, yeah. the, the mystics, and they're all just clomping along. Um, really like the look of them, by the way. They kind of have a more classic Henson-esque yes. feel to them with the big noses and stuff like that. But yeah, one of them spontaneously gets a cut on its hand. And I was like, what? And that sent me to Wikipedia. As a kid, I knew. <laughs> I was just smarter than you, I guess. You didn't have a house to clean. <laughs> you were a child. You just got to sit there and with a fudgesicle hanging off of your face. <laughs> it's true. It was probably, I was probably sticky everywhere. <laughs> probably. You couldn't move. You were stuck to the carpet. <laughs> It's true. <sighs> God, that banter. So, I mean, it's this would under no other circumstance would this exist. No. You had to have a guy of Jim Henson's level who was mad into puppets, and that was his jam. And Frank Oz. People forget Oz. that it's Jim Henson and Frank Oz who directed this um, film. And they were both masters of, like, vision. And Brian Froud with just, like, all the design work, the, the plants and beasts and... Everything the the look of the uh, dark crystal castle itself. Like if if you are a casual Muppets fan, yeah. Like Muppets can, and this is probably by design, you know, can have a sense of samesiness when you look at them, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, they all kind of look the same. They all kind of have the same felty look type of thing. Like uh uh-uh. uh, like there's huge variety in the um. Uh, what is what's the astronomer's name? Oz uh, performed a service. I saw that in the, yeah, I saw that in the credits. Um, but. It's something with a G. Whatever. Astronomer. I'd never seen any puppet in the Muppets. I'd never seen any Muppet that looked like that character. Like, So it was interesting to see them do things with their skill set that I had not seen them do before. Her name is Agra. Her name was Agra. And she has one eye. She does have one eye and she pulls it out of her head. That was never explained. She's still, Still works. Magic. Pull my eye out and look over here. Oh, pop it back in my face. Um, I do find also shut up, Fizgit or whatever your name was. Fizz, fizz, the fizz, Fizgit. Fizz, I can't remember. Yeah, Let's quit yapping. Um, I do find though, now that I've 
watch the movie recently and mm. the television show, um, I go, hmm, a lot. And all I can think of is one of the Skeksis who goes, the Chancellor, who's always like, hmm. And I'm like, shit, I'm doing the Chancellor again. Hmm. You bird-ass motherfucker. I'm a bird-ass motherfucker. Well, what what kick punches could you give it? I mean, I'm giving it like a seven and a half because okay. it's, it's worth a watch. And I'm, it's it left me with enough curiosity to want to, I under no other circumstance would I have probably ever gone and checked out this Netflix show. Right. Um, just wasn't my bag. And I don't know that it's totally my bag now, but I mean, this the movie intrigued me enough to be like, and I saw the fucking cast list and I was like, yo, yeah. Netflix money. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and like, I have to shout out. So Frank Oz also, I'm pretty sure, did the voice of the Chancellor. Um, probably. And Simon Pegg does such a good job emulating it mm. it's bizarre is brian fruit still alive yes okay and his, and his wife wendy and his son toby was the baby in the labyrinth whose <laughs> the baby's name is also toby and he works on this they all three of them worked on the show together isn't it just like lovely and toby got to bring his son and you know. gee, a family of weirdos right it's terrifying children for generations love it seven and a half sitting on netflix fantastic go check that out also sitting on netflix is the thing i brought caitlin now again this is one of our awesome weeks where these things could not be more dissimilar but yes but both cinematic both they're both <laughs> quit saying cinematic <laughs> i will not, not <laughs> and this was one of those things where like again it's just a movie that like i made a reference to it once yep and, and i was like have you ever seen this and kate said no and i went wah, 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 wah. Like, well, we know we know what we're doing. This is really the show at its best when we're just disgusted and delighted that somebody hasn't seen something. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it was coming to America. Like, what? Which, upon rewatching, even though I've rewatched it a bunch of times, and it's just a wonderful Christmas when I first discovered it was on Netflix. Just chilling at my parents. I was watching Coming to America. There you go. Um, it's a weird movie to watch in retrospect. Okay. For, for a couple of reasons. It's just surprisingly earnest, but I mean, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. All right. Coming to America is a 1988 American romantic comedy film directed by John Landis and based on a story originally created by Eddie Murphy, who starred in the lead role as Prince Akeem. The film also co-stars Arsenio Hall, James Earl Jones, Sherry Headley, and John Amos. The film was released in the U.S. on June 29th, 1988. Eddie Murphy plays Akeem Joffer, crown prince of the fictional African nation of Zamunda, who travels to the United States in hopes of finding a woman he can marry. I remember at the time... Was it this movie? I feel like we had a two cinema theater in Amherstburg, Ontario, where I grew up. Yep. And this was around the time where, like, every Thursday or Friday, like, go see movies. Fantastic. My parents didn't usually play a role in deciding what I got to see at the movie theater or not. Right. All my friends got to go see Coming to America. What did you get to see? Mac and Me. (laughs) You did. Now, that's a terrifying movie for children. My God. Boy, is it. And just miserable the whole time wow i'm sure you were my dad i mean you know i remember going with my dad it was just me and my dad being one of like five people in the theater yeah because they probably heard the movie was terrifying small ass theater could definitely hear everybody in the next theater laughing and laughing having a good time oh my god so yeah it came out in 1988 it was a commercial box office success domestically and worldwide debuted at number one with 21 million dollars with a five-day total of $28 million. It was the highest-earning film that year for the studio, which was Paramount. 
and the third highest grossing film at the U.S. box office. So there you go. There you go. Big hit. And a rare look for Eddie Murphy because it's kind of a wholesome movie. I mean, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't have you know. It's got it's got titties in it. And it it's got it does it's got, have boobs in it's it. It's got swearing in it here and there, but it, it is it is remarkably rewatching it this time. I was struck by how like not laugh out loud funny it is. Mm-hmm. Like it's funny. Yeah. It's got some moments, but it's 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 a romantic comedy, and it is. Yeah. And I also respect when you go back and you realize like just this is the blackest shit they put, <laughs> they put on screen for yep. like a mainstream hollywood movie yeah so it's a weird it's a very saccharine eddie murphy choice to mm-hmm. give if you're familiar with like peak 80s eddie murphy yes. like lord knows i would never give you raw or not definitely fuck i definitely wouldn't give you raw and i'd give you like severely edited i'd be like watch the last half hour of delirious okay <laughs> don't watch the front half of delirious does not hold up they did not understand aids in 1983 y'all no no they did not <laughs> um but this is a very kind of like sweet movie so you have very little familiarity with just this era of eddie murphy's career you need to bear in mind he was the biggest literally the biggest movie star in the world yeah at the time i i I knew that and i'm trying to think what i would know eddie murphy from the most (laughs) like shrek sorry like shrek well no before that i mean Nutty Professor and shit like that, maybe. There's something before that, though. I distinctly remember him being in a me really liking. I can't remember what it is. Um, but N- Norbit? No, not Norbit. But just knowing that... Bowfinger? Knowing that Eddie Murphy was just this huge star, right? Like, I knew, I know that, but I definitely... Eddie Murphy, just movies were not my jam. Well, now you've seen one. I've seen two. You gave me uh, Changing Places. I did give you Training Places, which in retrospect was a good one to give you. It was, and we'll get into that. So, now your second Eddie Murphy movie. Yeah. How did you feel about this one? Uh, It was good. I mean, I was surprised. I thought it was going to be a lot more like Training Places. Mm. I thought it was going to be a lot more, you know, sex jokes. And, Mm. you know, there was a bit of that, especially at the beginning with, like, the naked ladies for no reason. (laughs) Um, full breast showing. Because Africa. Right, of course. Um, I love the, sort of, like, the ridiculous elegance of it. Um, sort of giving, again, this is a very made-up movie version, but giving them a different view of an African country. Yes. Um, and, uh, the, I mean, the, the painted... Like, oh, what do they call them? They had them in Star Trek all the time. The Back- matte paintings. Backdrops? Or? Yeah, the matte painting yeah. of the castle was a little right. funny. <laughs> it was very 80s. Very Star Trek. Um, but the story itself was actually really interesting. I would have liked to spend more time with Eddie Murphy and... I can't remember her name. Lisa. Lisa. Um, because that was the whole point of the story. It's basically... Eddie Murphy is... Uh, he's the crown prince of Zamunda. Zamunda. His birthday is 21. Time to get married. Yep. We got a wife picked out for you. Yep. She's your queen <laughs> to be. Uh, yes, very funny. And he's like, I don't want that. I, I don't even wipe my own ass. I just have been kept here. Yeah. Under glass my entire life. And I like that his goal is to find someone who likes him for being him. Yes. And who he connects with on a you know mental and emotional level. So um, what's Wants to go intellectual to, level. Yes. Wants to go to America. He's going to pretend to be poor. He's going to get a job. He's going to find the most common place he can. Yep. Where do you go to find 
a woman deserving of a prince? Queens. Queens. Um. So yeah, and I, I, you know, I thought that was funny. I thought them living in like this terrible apartment was funny. Arsenio Hall was funny. Shouts to Arsenio, man. Yeah, y'all forget. I didn't how know. fucking. And like, I even I forget. So like, I knew him as the talk show host in the nineties, right? Yeah. Like, you forget like he's pretty fucking hysterical in this movie. Yeah. Like, like it was a fun movie. Um. Oh my god, I did not know. That Lizzo was ripping on the Jerry Curl cream commercial from this movie. Is she? In her movie for Juice. There's like a whole section mm. of it. And it it is like shot for shot, that commercial. Because this movie had like, I think possibly because it was like some of the blackest shit you could see yeah. in a mainstream movie. Like that whole scene where like they're bringing in you know the queen to be. Yeah. Where it's like, I mean, you know, fast and loose. I don't know how like anthropologically sound it is, but mm-hmm. like, you know. Just a flood of like people in you know traditional for Zamunda, yeah. <laughs> you know clothing, you know, with the percussion playing, and you know they're they're you know, doing dances and things like that. And it goes for like you know five six minutes, like yeah. this whole sequence that that was just there in a movie that like was not a black exploitation movie in the seventies or yeah. something like and that. Every character except the white Jewish man that Eddie Murphy was playing. <laughs> Was black. Yes. And I think that's fantastic. And I could see how this had a lot of cultural ripples, right? Um, and it's also... Like, sorry, the point I was going to make is, like, you mentioned Lizzo. Like, before that, it was like Busta Rhymes, put your hands where my eyes can see, was an entire riff on Coming to America. Right. The whole thing was Coming to America. And so, I can see that it... And it, it had interesting messages, even about women. Like, they never have a sex scene in that movie with the two, like, with the two main characters. No. Um... It is a wholesome film about him wanting to find someone who really cares about him for who he is. I think they only kissed, like, twice. Yeah. And that was really great. Um, I don't know. I, I, there was also some, you know how much I like social justice stuff. There's also some sort of, like, mocking of people who think that Africa is only X. Right? So, the, the bad guy. (laughs) The the douchey guy she's with. Yeah. When he meets her. Um, and he talks about, you know, uh, do you chase monkeys? Oh, you must be used to not wearing a lot of clothes because it's Africa and all this. Right. And just also, can we talk about the nobleness of James Earl Jones? I could spend 45 minutes talking about James Earl Jones stepping out of the car in Queens with a fucking lion head on his shoulder. With the ju- bejeweled eyes? Like, iconic. Like, I, oh will, I, will, I will turn into one of the queer eye guys and just lose my mind for 45 minutes talking about James Earl Jones and this the swag oh the the sort of there is no other actor that I think more of when I think of a king than James Earl Jones right just he should be every king and every if you want to have an authentic king have James Earl Jones he should be on the crown like he should be yes he should um he just has this gravitas that it's so effortless and I think it raised the movie up in a way. Um, not to say that anything else, like, it was bad casting, but I just think that casting was so superb. Um, and funny in its own way. Just him, this this king going around Queens trying to find trying to find his son, right? <laughs> just being like, where is he? Someone find him. Um, and her dad is the dad from Good Times. Yes, yes. Um, and I like the depiction of Queens, like... 
especially the McDougals or whatever. It's just the McDowells. McDowells. It's very like they shut that in Queens. Like <laughs> it just looks really normal. Mm. If that makes any sense, you know. Some of the time in New York, it looks really like New York. New York. It's a hell of a town. Um, but this looked like it was just a normal <laughs> corner. <laughs> they steal all the fucking luggage. Yes. Because they're just not paying attention. So, everyone recalls from The Nutty Professor, where Eddie Murphy played the entire family type yes. of thing. Mm-hmm. It was not the first time he did that. No. This was basically him and Arsenio Hall just being like, total heat check. Oh, yeah. Let's <laughs> let's have a bunch of scenes in a barbershop, and we'll play every guy in the barbershop. Yep. So Except Murphy, for one. Except for one. Yeah. So, Eddie Murphy plays a barber. Uh, Arsenio Hall plays that guy who I think is also technically a barber, but yes. never cuts any hair. Nope. You, you know him. Yeah. He's always just sitting in the chair eating, eating chicken wings. <laughs> um, and Eddie Murphy plays an old Jewish guy yeah. <laughs> who hangs out at the shop. Actually, I've seen that scene or heard that, that joke about the, the, the soup. Um, like, and then that must be where it's from. The soup. Where he, at the very, very end of the movie. Like after the credits, or near, not after the credits, but oh, like, where they're all. Oh, I, I didn't watch that far. I forgot to rewatch that uh, part. And he's like, he's like, the as uh, the waiter comes over and asks if there's everything's okay with the soup, and the guy says, uh, I need you to try the soup. And the guy's like, I don't want to try the soup. He's like, No, 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 you got to try the soup. What's wrong with the soup? Nothing. Just try the soup. And he's like, Fine, I'll try the soup. Where's the spoon? Ah. Uh-huh. 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 Uh, that was actually really funny. And you know, ninety percent of that was just like, yeah. Landis just hit, you know, record, yeah, and just let those two guys fuck around. Yeah, <laughs> Frank Sinatra sat in this chair, and he told me, <laughs> yeah. he, he told, he told me Joe Louis when he fought Rocky Marciano. You know how old he was? He was one hundred thirty-seven years old. <laughs> uh, and you have never met Mar- Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> I did. He punched me right. In the, he punched me right in the chest. Uh, no, he did not. Um, so all of that, that actually was some of the funniest stuff. Um, like you so said. So you, you were cool with that? You didn't think it was just like guys flexing? Like, oh, sure. Why? But why not? <laughs> but why not? Like if it's done well. Like the stuff with him in like the fat suits, that's just <laughs> fat shaming. Like it wasn't particularly funny, but this was just characters, right? Crazy characters that I'm sure they've encountered in their community. Fucking Arsenio Hall is the preacher. The, like. I was about to say like the preacher, the singer. Right? The, like, who's the terrible. Randy Watson. <laughs> terrible. Um, yeah, all of that. It just, even the jokes about the jerry curl, right? Like, like they get up from the couch and there's just these <laughs> grease stains. And, the, and I don't know much about jerry curls, but I can imagine they're very greasy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, all of that was just a really, it was really fun. You can tell it they put a lot of, like, stuff that they knew into it, right? But you didn't. You were, you were able to hang with the... Because there's even some, like... I point to, like, the last, air quote, joke of the movie. Right. <laughs> which is, like... So he's been surprised. You know, Lisa decided she loves him. And yeah. he, she finds out that he faked being a prince. Yeah. And now she's all weirded out. And she doesn't know how to feel about him because he lied to her, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And also, you know, he's technically betrothed... To another. To another. And, you know, James Earl Jones is like, he's out here sowing his royal oats. Like, yeah. you're just you're just a fling. He doesn't possibly care about you. And then they all sort that shit out, and she's like, oh, you, you would have given this all up for me? And he's like, I'll give it up right now if you want. We can yeah. go back to New York. And it's that pause. And it's so it's like the, the 30s, right? It's like yeah. that pause. Like, nah. Oh, yeah. of course you went. <laughs> There's a few moments like that where it's like, yeah. like I said, it's really earnest. Like, right. It's not like a, 
It's not an edgy movie. It's not trying to be like. No, it's a happily ever after movie. Yeah. So and you didn't find you didn't find that lame. You weren't like uh, I rolled. No, thing? I think those movies are important. I just don't think every movie should have is <laughs> it. Not every movie deserves or needs or should have a happily ever after. But this is just a fun comedy movie. It's a rom com, like you said. There's other bits of it, of. You know, whether you want to say black culture or just a different type of comedy movie, that's fine. I mean, I can see how it's not for everybody, but it's just a fun time. There's nothing... This movie couldn't possibly offend anyone. It is like a not an offensive movie. The The most shocking thing were just the bare breasts <laughs> for no apparent reason at the beginning. The royal penis is clean is like the bluest joke yes. in the entire movie. Yeah, that and then the when uh, his father, the king, says, um, "Don't you have sex with your bath girls?" I know I do. Like that. That is the and that is at the Gina beginning. Jones. I know, right? That is as as bad as it gets. After that, there really isn't anything. I like that. Ar- sisters, Arsenio Hall as a woman <laughs> hitting yes. on Arsenio Hall, which is that was actually kind of funny. Um, only because it wasn't the joke wasn't that. She was an ugly woman. The yes. joke was that it was very obviously Arsenio Hall <laughs> hitting on himself. And Eddie Murphy's just so charismatic in this movie, right? Oh, like, completely and utterly. Yeah. Like, if you don't fall in love with Prince Akeem by the, by the end of this movie... You, what are you doing? Yeah. You're, you're fucking up. Yeah. And that smile? That's... I mean... It's a very dashing smile. What are you giving your first encounter a second? Oh, right, because there was a training places joke I, in there. I, there was. I, I actually, I called in. So the person I was watching with was like, how did you know that? I was like, because a couple months ago, Jordan gave me that, uh, Christmas, Jordan gave me that movie. And I forgot it was there. And when I rewatched I was like, hey! she's going to get that joke. I will. I will. Yeah. And I, I was like, hey, I think it's, what's his name? And what's his name from the Trading Places movie? I was right. Eddie Murphy expanded universe. Um, I'm going to give it uh, an eight. Like, it's a fun watch. Don't expect too much it's not edgy it's just a literally a fun saturday popcorn watch there you go set it's a, you know saturday it's a, evening it's that saturday afternoon evening before you go out type of movie like. yeah or even just like if you're staying in and want to have like a fun rom-com like it's it's nice to see something from the 80s where not every single person is smoking <laughs> and it's not like vile and ridiculously sexist. And nobody's, and nobody's saying homophobic epithets or things like that. Yeah, and also, also the message of just like finding someone who like is in, you know, you connect with intellectually and emotionally, someone who's your equal in that way. I think that's really nice. Yeah, we need more of that. There's a sequel coming apparently. Not optimistic about that, <laughs> but apparently, I'll believe that when I see it. Mm-hmm. Well. I believe that is going to wrap us up for the first installment of what is apparently Cinematic September. Cinematic to September. September. Nope. No? Oh, come on. Look forward to the rest of the month. I know I am because I did not even know this was a thing until 20 minutes ago. It's a thing. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> we love surprises. We do love surprises. Friends, if you'd like to get at us, if you, have, if you have suggestions for Cinematic September, things you want us to check out that we may or may not have seen, you can do that on any of our socials, primarily Twitter. Get up off Twitter. For the 25 minutes a week, I can tolerate to be on there while Kate's trolling through men writing women. And stuff about boobs. <laughs> and stuff about boobs, which I mean, yeah, I guess I should be on Twitter more. I like boobs. Who and, doesn't? And all the conversations and 
communicating they're doing because they do a lot of communicating. Apparently, they quiver with anticipation, apparently. <laughs> and welcoming. <laughs> so that's how you can get at us. We will be back here next week for another installment of the Geek Down Pod. Thank you for joining us, friends. It means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser, and we hope you'll join us next week for the next installment of Cinematic September. Wow. Just messing with the levels. Give myself a little extra high in here. A little high? A little high? Brighten my voice up a little bit. But you're so sad. (laughs) (laughs) It's on fire today. (laughs)